Hello, everyone, and welcome to At WCSU, the award-winning podcast that reveals all of the secrets at Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz here with Pete Puccio, and today we are breaking through to the bright side. No election news and just a little bit of a COVID update, but our main interview today will be with Sabrina Marquez, an art professor who just this semester became director of the Kathwari Honors Program at WCSU. This is where all the smart kids go. Pete, you were in the Honors Program when you went here, weren't you? Uh, no, Paul. Thank you. I was not. Yeah. <laughs> it well, was very different all... then, though. It was not nearly the... Yeah, if it, it was... was... If it was then how it is now, I certainly would have would have tried a lot harder to be in it. It's yeah. uh, it's a pretty cool thing. It is cool, and you know, like you, some of the smart kids fall through the cracks, but a lot of them here do go to honors. And we will talk to Professor Marquez about what goes on there, how to enroll, and why she wanted the job. Should we talk at all about COVID, Pete? I suppose we probably should, seeing as it's you know everything. Yeah. Okay, here it is. We did have a little spike over the past week with nine positive cases among students. 25 students at last count are isolating because they came in contact with students who tested positive. And we've had uh, been rolling along at one to three positive. We had been rolling along at one to three positive cases a week. So that is an uptick. Still, we haven't been affected like some universities have in a state. We won't mention their names, Yukon, Sacred Heart, and Quinnipiac, but they are all much off, worse off than we are. As most of you know, all resident students are going home for the semester during Thanksgiving week, and classes will be online only for the rest of the semester after that. Classes will start again at the end of January, so we will have more than two months off campus, during which we hope things will settle down again. And of course, there's news out there about a vaccine, so that might have an effect by that time too. Until then, everyone please to continue to wear masks, wash your hands, and don't sneeze in my face. The next several weeks may be rough, and we want everyone to stay safe, okay? Is there any other gloom and doom we can talk about, Pete? Uh, no, that's probably enough bummer for today. Yeah. I think a short... Uh, uh, recap of the yeah. bummer. Yeah, so when we come back in the Good. spring, it's going to be like it was at the beginning of this semester, right? Hybrid, and that's the plan as of mm. now? That is. And uh, I'm pretty sure you're, everybody who lives on campus will have to be tested before they come back on campus again, just like they did for this semester. And um, we'll see if we can get through to May. God willing, and the creek don't rise. That's right. And, uh, you know, the creek's rising right now, so we're hoping you can just <laughs> get through to Thanksgiving and then give it a little breather. I think we'll make it, though. You have high hopes. Yeah. And, you know, you and I are not contributing to, the, to any problem because we're working from home. That's a true story. Yeah. We're doing our part. All right, here's Sabrina Marquez, the director of the Kathwari Honors Program at WCSU. Professor Marquez, 
You just started as a director recently, as a director of the honors program. How's it going so far? It's going really well so far. In considering starting this remotely, uh, it's something that it was unexpected that that would happen. And I've, uh, with the support of the honor staff, with Jessica Lynn, the assistant director, and the support of the Honors Council, it has been going really well, as well as having 82 freshmen that I've mm. been teaching the Nature of Inquiry course. I teach three sections of that course. We've been really working to understand that the circumstances are, are fixed. They're really given at this, at this moment in time, though what we can change is how we approach these circumstances. So that has been a really a, a way that We've been trying to cultivate community and and foster and nurture what we're being given at this time of the COVID-19 um, time in our lives. So, mm -hmm. yes. So you had taught honors courses before you became director, isn't that right? That is correct. Yes. I taught stop motion animation and agent for social change in the spring of 2017. And this past spring of 2020, I was co-teaching a course with a Tibetan Buddhist Lama titled The Art of Creativity, Cultivating Happiness and Meaning. And so, yes, I was familiar with interdisciplinary approach courses. Um, that yeah. was my flashlight. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I've already knocked mine it, off. It was, not my, it, it was not my mic. It wasn't a drop of my mic. <laughs> um, and so, yes, so I, I am familiar with interdisciplinary focused courses and and weaving that into approach in, in curriculum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one of the fun things about the honors program, right? All these different approaches that you can take that, uh, I don't know, aren't on the regular curriculum. Oh, it's one of the most exciting parts of, of the honors program. I'd say that in, in it, it, a program that is part of the four colleges at Western Connecticut State University, the kind of innovative and dynamic interactive approaches to the faculty that have proposed and taught these courses and continue to propose courses in our program is something that it is, it's really exciting to the students that take them as well as peers of the faculty that uh, hear about the courses. It's a typical thing that is said, which is, um, oh my God, I wish I could take this course. The faculty will say that, I will say that, mm -hmm. I can say. Uh, I was just about to say that about the two courses you just mentioned. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. The, um, there are courses that navigating, navigating life where students are really exposed to the conditions of the outside world, where they're camping, they're learning to change a tire, they are uh, learning how to use a fire soon, which are really hands-on things that we came to understand that were not life skills that students really didn't know how to tackle, um, as well as learning about courses like uh, Black Mirror and the chemistry of coffee to life in the Anthropocene. Like there's just, it is time and time again, I am excited and surprised by courses that are, are um, created in our mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And uh, students take these in addition to the regular curriculum, isn't that correct? That is correct, yes. They have up to 21 credits, so they have they have some leeway in the credits that they can then take courses. Um, they have to take four 
um, courses in, in the honors program that I was going to say that hit the four modes of inquiry. So, and those modes of inquiry are artistic and creative analysis. It's a way of analyzing coursework. So it's the idea of like open set of ideas that they're being exposed to. So artistic and creative analysis, mathematical, scientific analysis, textual analysis, and then social, cultural, historical analysis. So they will have to hit all modes of inquiry at some point, but not all courses meet those modes of inquiry. So mm -hmm. over the four years, they take four courses plus a capstone. Mm. So they're busy. They're very busy. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the other students I know are very busy and they're and successful at the same time. If they weren't so busy, they they would they say they wouldn't focus as much or I don't know. They but they all seem to be very successful. No, I've heard this, Paul. I've heard that the idea of um the way that they fill their time and use their time, it's something that also they need to meet the requirements of community. Um, oriented activities. Uh, and so, as you say, like, they are not only taking classes, but they're very busy doing things within Western Connecticut State University and in the greater society. So mm -hmm. if it's volunteering and, and working with, I would say, clubs, community, if it's setting up um, for, for shows, they are, they're really a part of the greater Danbury area. And when uh, off administrative offices look for students to be interns or um, student workers, if you're smart, you look for the honors students because they move seamlessly right in and do a great job every time. There is there is a, a part where in in our mission, the focus of of being a leader and community oriented is is something that I think really bridges well into interning and volunteering. Mm hmm. So this is has been a program that's been pretty successful for several years. And as a new person, what are you the new director? What are you looking forward to doing to build on that? And where, what direction are you thinking of taking it? Hmm. I think that this is something in in being asked this question. You know, I've I've thought about how important it is for my first year. It's a two year appointment uh, mm. with Shin to potentially for renewal, but it, it's really important in the first year to assess the program and see in, in the strength, the program has been very strong. And so where is there room to, to grow, to change, and, and seeing how we try to create a social and academic atmosphere of a small, pretty much a small liberalized college within the heart of a greater, a larger public university. It's something that uh, trying to think about is are there more opportunities to go abroad and, uh, post post pandemic and to mm. try and see how we can bridge and and connect in an international way a bit more than we have because we have mm -hmm. been the courses that have been offered have a few of them have had an international component um, for Americans in Paris Americans in London the faculty have brought students to have this international experience being having an international experience can be quite expensive so can mm. there be a way where it can financially students won't be burdened by the financial component as much but they're you're talking about this and trying to figure out ways to problem solve this this component that um, potentially could occur in um, in our university more um, is something that could be quite exciting uh, and will be something I'm seeing kind of in the future to see 
how that could be both international and interdisciplinary. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good description of how what the uh, honors program is in within the um, university. How do you talk to students? What do you talk to students about when they're when you're recruiting them or they're interested in uh, coming to WestCon and becoming part of the honors program? It's interesting because in in talking with uh, we've had a, a couple of meetings this past fall with admissions, and the idea that really struck me, which was to be able to have a great education without the burden of having a a to a life of death, so a, a debt debt. Um, and so that is something that, with the opportunity, if you apply in your senior year, going into a freshman year for for Westcom, there is a way to be granted scholarships. So there's different tiers of scholarship. And I think that is really what we try to encourage in applying to our program, that the Kathwari Honors Program, that the idea that you can have a great education, it's an innovative program within our country, and not be burdened by a lifetime of debt. And mm-hmm. so that at times, is, it's I think that's a, a real kernel of information that can be quite powerful for Mm -hmm. an incoming prospective student. A really high-end student who could go to a lot of different universities, right? Exactly, exactly. So they would have a breadth of opportunity across the country within our our northeastern corridor. So how do we make that um, as desirable? And and we're different. We're different than those um, other options. So how do we then... um, Carve and and we have been doing that. I mean, our program has grown in the past five years exponentially, and mm-hmm. so and that and that really had a lot to do with opening up and offering more scholarships. So that is also yeah. thinking in the future. How can um, we? We're right now at eighty two, but that has a lot to do with the pandemic. I think it was a hundred and is last year. I would have to get the numbers correct between one hundred and one hundred and twenty. Um, first year numbers. students. First year students last year. Mm. I'd have to get that number um, to you. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think that in encouraging an in depth kind of study, there's also the idea that we do attract a lot of students from Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey uh, mm. with with the out of state waived fees and um, rather tuition. Um, that there is trying to cast even a wider net. You know, there, I do have a student, there are some students from Texas, there are students that are um, actually learning remotely and they had to go back home in the early part of this semester. about How to cast a wider net geographically is something also we've been talking about. Yeah, that's interesting. And I've had some experience, not as a student, but uh, as a parent with other uh, other honors programs at other places, and they aren't as good as ours. They aren't as robust or as um, um, uh, energetic as ours is. They don't do as much. I'd agree. I, I'd agree about that. I've known people who have been in honors program, and and in many ways, the pro, the people that I've known have, that have gone to different honors programs or honors colleges, at, at times it was it, it was a way where it is an accolade that is given to them and and well deserved you know but but something that we have really created a a strong 
community like a, 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 there's like a there's a buzz around the honors program in our university and so that's something about trying to continue to have that happen and exponentially as well try to strengthen that um, and get that word out more yeah well the students do more in this honors program too than they do in other uh, maybe not all but in a lot of other university honors programs this is this is true, and I, I would say in doing so, I, I made me think what as you're talking about that, Paul, about how we have an honors, the honors house is also mm -hmm. someplace where there is a, um, a, a a space, a home that students really are excited to go to, and I think in that buzz that we're talking about, that kind of that excitement, that kind of electricity that occurs within the students, and they not only talk but in talking and, and exchanging ideas that really shifts into action. Mm -hmm. And so I, they are, that's something that as we are online, we try to, we try to really talk about that and, and meet online in a way that is saying, you know, soon, soon we'll be together again in a physical way and able to make that action happen more. Right. So, when COVID's over, you have a, an honors house, as you say, that uh, where students meet, they study, there's kitchen, there's, it's not a, a residence hall, but it's a meeting place that they can go 24 hours a day, right? Exactly, 24 hours a day, yes. And then there's honors staff, Jessica mm. Lynn, my office is there, so, and, and the honors council meets there, so, and there's actually uh, some courses, some classes that meet there as well, mm. so it really has a, um, um, it meets in very myriad ways. So mm -hmm. you're, you are um, guaranteed walking into that building to encounter classmates and, and faculty and staff. Right. So we're talking about the things that make the honors program at West Con great. One of them is the support by Farouk Kathwari, uh, right? Yes, this is true. So in 2015, Farouk Kathwari generously donated a million dollars to Western Connecticut State University that allowed in our honors program to endow it. And in addition, we have the Barden Foundation. It's a travel fund that helps supplement our students' ability to travel for educational purposes. So really these, these contributions make it opportunities and programs possible within our, in our honors program. So mm -hmm. it, it, is, it is, adds to the strength of our program. Yeah, we were fortunate to uh, get that kind of support too. And uh, Mr. Kathwari is really an incredible person too, uh, with a great story and you know, supports education. That's why he's uh, attracted to Westcon. Yes, yes. This is um, something that is, we continue to have relationships with uh, Farouk Kathwari and, and he comes back for for graduation and the honors program, and and he's a beautiful speaker, and so it's something that in having the relationship we have had and we will continue to have is 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 something that we really cherish. Mm -hmm. That's very nice. And if a student decide, didn't figure it out for their first year, uh, and they hear about it as a sophomore, they can. Isn't there a way to apply and uh, get into the honors program as a upper? Ye Yes, there's there's two there are two programs or like two tracks. So you can learn about the program in your senior year in high school and and apply and get in. So there and the first track is freshmen and first year sophomores have mm. 
you can fulfill then all those requirements that I was talking mm. about earlier when we were uh, conversing. And then there is an option that's an associates program that is for juniors and seniors that they can apply. So it's not that it's accelerated. It's just that you you don't have as much time to take all those courses. So you can have an abridged version experience. Right. Yeah, that's good. So that's great. Mm -hmm. And as a freshman or a first year sophomore, you're looking for a certain um, GPA, right? And different um, accomplishments. Yes. So there's GPA accomplishments. You know, during this time in COVID, there's been talk about doing SAT optional, these ideas that, you know, they're, that studying for the test and, and that way of that kind of marker or barometer is something that is also being discussed of. So in diversity, inclusivity, and equity, how can we um, interview in a way, assess students, incoming students in a way that can offer, yes, GPA, there is, there's testing, but how else is there? And that's, that's been um, a conversation that we've been having. Mm -hmm. about assessing a student to get into the honors program. That's an interesting question about diversity, uh, in, uh, inclusivity, et cetera. How do you go about that with the honors program? So that is um, that is a way where in courses that are offered in, that we try to, we have conversations trying to lay the groundwork of, you know, are there, are we meeting the needs of the students in, in with respect to diversity, inclusivity, and equity? And then, as I was trying to say about like, so there's an interest in students studying abroad. So how can we make mm. that possible for all students and not students that can financially afford that? And then with diversity, the different kinds of course offerings that we try to to have, and um, and in the texts that are that are even in um, the course of the nature of inquiry, there was a, a, a chapter this past week that students were reading about, about gender. And even in gender, there was a conversation that we were having about inclusivity and how gender is very different than sex. And so how this uh, introducing these ideas is, is something that really creates an, a sense of analysis and conversation and dissecting text than a set of um, having the expectation for students to memorize information. Mm. So I think it's it is something that in trying to think about curriculum and and then with thinking about the future, it is something that it's a conversation to. I wonder if I'm not sure at this point if we do have a a club in our university that has to do with diversity, inclusivity, and 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 equity, but. Mm. Um, but I think many different clubs touch on this important topic. Right. Yep. So. Uh, the and how does a does a student has to apply? Right. How do they find out about it? So that is uh, admissions works really hard at when when recruiting and not only open house when students come to us, mm. but the outreach that is done that admissions talks about our honors program. We have a, a, a website that also students can apply through our website, but we also communicate to admissions, those students that have found us through our website that is different than our admissions website, right? So there's a, a real open communication with admissions. And, and I think a lot of it, as you said, like students are really actively engaged in our program. So there is a lot of word of mouth that they have heard about our program, mm -hmm. um, especially students that didn't, as you say, 
earlier didn't know about the program until they they came to to Westcon, right? Mm-hmm. And so then they learn about it and there's a kind of recruitment there as well about well consider applying and and students in the honors program will will um, keep their peers accountable. They'll check in and see, you know, have you have you followed through with that interest mm-hmm. and application? Yeah. There is a lot of student support, right? Peer support in the honors program. There is peer support. There's peer tutoring. There is um, a way where students will lead. I have even, um, I have TAs in my Nature of Inquiry courses. So I have undergraduate students that have applied. And in each section, I have an honors student. And they are there to support their our freshmen in um, outside of class. They have their office hours and, and they are meeting with them via their kind of generation of communication, online communication that they have. Right. Um, so really for registration, there's a registration night that occurs. Usually it's in the honors house. This year it was online and a game was played while waiting to to sign up for classes because historically there's just there's been culturally at, at midnight the students will start registering for courses and they are really focused on their honors courses that they're trying to get into because they will um, cap and not be able to get into the course that they're potentially interested in because there's such high demand for mm-hmm. courses. Mm-hmm. So um, there are students that are always readily available to support their peers. And that's something that's quite beautiful in our program. Mm-hmm. A lot of camaraderie, it feels like. Yeah, there is. And there is something where in the students in previous years, there's talk about, are you, I'll, the idea that, are you a dolphin or are you a, a shark? I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. if you've heard of this, Paul. I Ruff, have heard, right? yep. and, so, and so, you know, in asking students, you know, are you trying to get ahead and are you going to are you going to compete and attack your your peer or rather are you going to work as a pod together like a dolphin would and really move ahead and still have that competitive because competition can be quite fun i mean i'm a, i'm an mm-hmm. athlete at heart and i know mm-hmm. that when i when i want to play a game i want to go full on and i'm going to play soccer and i'm i'm going to have fun and i'm going to make it serious and there's going to be this interplay this kind of serious play and i would say honor students really play in the serious way that they are going all in 110% so mm-hmm. i would say in this dolphin like spirit that they have right <laughs> dolphins don't eat each other like sharks do or don't uh, uh, try to kill you like uh, sharks do right <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was something that I believe Dr. Chris Cook, the previous director who helped kind of energize and reinvigorate the honors program, something he came up with. And, you know, he's well known around campus until he left to go somewhere else. Are you sick yet of talking about and hearing about Chris Cook? Oh, I'm not. I'm not. Chris Cook, he's somebody who, when I was on the honors council, he is somebody who, you know, would talk about dolphins and sharks. He would talk about the excitement of our students he would he was known for drinking chocolate milk and trying mm-hmm. to find the best chocolate milk in the state of Connecticut which he did find at Arthusa farm and he really i mean i always saw a smile on chris's face he always had time for his students and and for faculty and actually i do miss chris there's something mm-hmm. that i um i i just i think that he really set the groundwork he did so much work to try and and as as those who I don't know prior to Chris, right, 
founded the program. He really harnessed and nurtured this program. And that's where the steps that I, the footsteps that I'm following and they're big shoes to fit. And I, and I'm a different person. Um, and I, I, I'll put my spin on things and, and it will be something that I'll always appreciate what he did. Yeah. You're energetic like Chris was though. I've heard this. I've heard this. <laughs> How long have you been interested in teaching? Oh, yes. So I've been interested in teaching for, and I've been in teaching for 20 years. It started where I was a TA myself after I graduated from undergrad and went back to Columbia University where I was asked to teach a engineering graphics class, TA a class. So mm -hmm. between my undergrad and graduate year, I actually was a TA for uh, teaching Maya programming, something that I was not uh, going to be pursuing myself, but something that I, I learned a lot about teaching in that way, how to problem solve. And, and then I went to graduate school and I got an MFA in painting and printmaking, but really a, a lot of my eyes were set on teaching from that point. You know, I, in becoming a professional artist, that's how I wanted to approach teaching, uh, teaching art. And so that's something where I've taught in many different age groups from first grade, middle school, musical theater programs. I've been the art director for to an art magnet high school. I worked at in New Haven for eight years called the Educational Center for the Arts into adjunct teaching and then more full-time assistant professor teaching. So it really, it has been something where my answer to many questions about what, what I teach in a certain program has been, yes, let me see what that would be like, because I think teaching in different kinds of community and different age groups is something that I um, really was seeking in my, in my life and, and, and the exchange that occurs in learning. And so as, and as a Cuban American myself, as a woman, as a first generation college student, first generation American, I really believed in my approach to education was something about wanting to bring meaning and magic back into the classroom, something that I didn't always experience in my own educational experience, but one that I at times did through mentors that I had myself. Mm. And I think from my own mentoring experience that I saw as role models, I really uh, that really inspired me to do that uh, myself. And you were uh, recognized as the Provost Teacher of the Year with that award last year, right? And um, it seems like I'm not ever going to be a teacher, but it seems like that's what would be the reason to be a teacher, right? To bring the magic and the creativity into the classroom because there's a lot of drudgery associated with it too, grading and all that. But if you can make a difference in a student's life that way and open their eyes, that's what that's why somebody would do it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the give back, it's the gift that keeps on giving if it's, and the way I try to approach it is, and it is akin to the mission of the honors program, which is connecting to an open, I think I said it earlier, open set of ideas, then relating to memorizing content, because it is the way that creativity can affect one's well-being and happiness is something that in my own research, and I, I I'm not sure if we talked about this, but in going to Brazil, I'm part of an international cross-cultural collaboration where we're studying 
Quilombolas, which are Afro-diaspora communities and indigenous communities, a group of us, professors from different universities in, in, in the world, actually, um, are, I've been to Alagoas, our plan, but it's, we had to pause on it this summer because of uh, COVID, but it was to go to the Amazon and, mm. and to, to study is, is something that both in research and then bringing that into the scholarly work, the creativity, the creative activity and bringing that into the classroom is something that I is a delight to do. And to see the effect it has on my students is, is something that, as I said, is, um, is such a gift. Mm. What a great experience too. Yeah, great experience. Memories and, 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 and in many ways surreal. Can't believe I'm having the experience. It's, mm -hmm. It is it is magical. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How about teaching art? Do you miss not, are you not teaching art now for so a couple for of years? Fall, yeah, well, for the fall semester, I have a reduced teaching loan because of the administrative duties that I have in addition to teaching the three sections of the nature mm -hmm. of inquiry. So my undergraduate painting courses, I am not teaching this semester, though I am teaching in our MFA graduate program. Oh, yeah. So I do, I still have my foot in the door there and, and I am working with art students. I can say that I do, I do miss my art classes. I wish there were more hours in the day. I wish that I was able to do it all. Um, but I will be teaching an art course so I'll be in the undergraduate and graduate program in this spring um, because the nature of inquiry is, is just taught in the fall semester. It's mm. an FY course. So it is something, yes, for the next couple of years in the fall, that will, will be the case. But I, I do think because the courses in the honors program are interdisciplinary, there's always a way where creativity and artistic analysis comes into play in my approach to teaching. So I, I weave it sure. in. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, but you're just like one of these students. You're busy all the time, overly busy, yes, right? I am, Paul. I am. And I uh, <laughs> I do say yes to a lot of things. Um, I will be teaching. I'll be co-teaching a workshop next Friday at, at, a, at the University of Colorado. I'll be doing this remotely in Boulder. Um, but I will be co-teaching this with a colleague of mine, Dr. June Gruber, where she and I collaborate. And she is a psychology professor and she studies positivity, happiness. Her focus is on happiness, the dark side of happiness, about focusing on emotional diversity and how she, when we, we collaborate, I weave in the ideas of how art can, and creativity can be a vehicle to experience happiness along with other kinds of emotions. But there's, there's something that we'll be doing next Friday for the whole uh, afternoon, evening. Yeah, so that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fascinating though. It is. Um, well, thank you for spending a half hour with us out of your busy schedule to talk about the uh, Kathwari Arners program. We're really happy that you're the uh, director now for the next two years and it sounds like it's going great. It is, I'm honored to be the director for the next two years. Thank you, Paul, for for interviewing me. Yeah. It was a pleasure. We'll uh, call you back on at some point, okay? Sounds good. Okay. Looking Thank forward you. to it. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey, as part of our ongoing series about other worldly events outside of campus, we're talking a little bit about downtown and things you can do there. 
The restaurant called Two Steps, which has been around for a long time, uh, used to be have a partner restaurant across the street called Chow Cafe, and people loved it until it closed down. But the folks at Two Steps, every once in a while, do the Chow menu for a couple of weeks, and that's ongoing this week. So if you have a hankering for Italian food that was really good, uh, mention it to your parents. They will bring you down there and pay for dinner because everybody <laughs> loved chow. Yeah, chow was good. And you can also, yeah, you can also order off the two steps menu too if you want. That's why it's good to uh, hang out, you know, a couple of blocks away from the Midtown campus and um, figure out what's fun to do, like a two steps, right? Yeah. They're a long time uh, stalwart in Danbury. And it's a cool, funky a old building place. too. It is. It used to be the firehouse in Danbury, you know. Yep. And they still have an uh, old fire truck there uh, bolted to the wall. Yeah. And you can see the, the, the big bay doors in the front window, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes they can open them up. It is a cool place. And the people who run it are nice and will welcome you there. And they used to have a great happy hour thing where appetizers were like a buck. Oh. Yeah, we used to go there a lot when, when I was in school. <laughs> they ought to bring that back. Yeah, I'll tell him Even you said that. Even two bucks, right? Huh? Say, Paul says, bring back the dollar appetizer thing. <laughs> we'll all, you'll be overcrowded there. <laughs> two steps. Should we do a little bit of uh, upcoming events on campus, too? Oh, I suppose we better. Yeah. Since we're advertising on campus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it sounds like most of, if not all, of the in-person events for the rest of the semester are gone. But there's still plenty of uh, virtual stuff and uh, a few little things uh, in the housing, in the residence halls and stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll list a few here. Yeah. You know what I like is do-it-yourself henna. I've never had the guts to do it, but I think I would look very good with some henna tattoos on my face or my arms or my hands i was going to say face neck region for you would probably be most appropriate yeah it would be cool yeah. <laughs> anyway i can go to the virtual henna night from 7 to 8 30 p.m on friday the 13th wow friday is the 13th henna cone and stencil will be providing can be picked up at the csi office in room 227 of the midtown student center so drop by there before you uh, tune in to the DIY Henna Night, which is sponsored by the Muslim Student Association. Very cool. I plan to be there. Yeah. I'll share my picture with you. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We have, uh, if you're a resident of Litchfield Hall on Sunday the 15th, there's a PJ movie night. So get uh, uh -oh. get your most comfy get your most comfy PJs and... and head down it doesn't list the movie unfortunately but uh hmm. oh, throwback movies very cool hmm. and so if you're if you live in litchfield hall you can do that and um isn't that something pete that often gets ends up being referred to the judicial affairs office or something you got to be careful when everybody's in pjs <laughs> Well, we're all adults here, Paul. Hmm. All right. 
we'll see. We'll report back on that. Uh, okay, on Tuesday, Tuesday, November 17th, uh, from 1 to 2 p.m., there's a Tips for Effective Stress Management Workshop. Uh, it's going to be via Microsoft go. Teams. So, uh, again, the 17th from 1 to 2 p.m., go to the wow at wcsu.edu slash wow to uh, get some more information. And also, did you see there's a virtual happy hour uh, on November 17th for 5 to 6.30? I did. I wonder if they have dollar appetizers. I, I should hope so. I guess there's only one mm -hmm. way to find out, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you sign up there, and they'll also be talking about the experience of English-speaking students in Chinese schools of business or economics. Fascinating. Which is great. Yeah. Goes great with uh, loaded nachos. <laughs> uh, Wednesday the 18th at 12.30, there's a... Um, brain fart um <laughs> looks like a lecture uh racial justice part one urban connecticut meets covid19 um i have it right here sociologist dr robert brown will speak alumna evelyn garcia who i know and others from the department of social sciences will speak it's a monthly brown bag with the undocuali tax task force so you know, racial justice is a big deal here on campus. It's important all across the country, everywhere. So uh, it's something that we should be talking about, learn more about, and uh, you can educate yourself here. It's Wednesday, the 18th, from 12.30 to 1.45 p.m. on WebEx. Yeah, along those same lines, uh, you know, those of you who are, ascribed, who are subscribed here to this feed should have gotten these, but uh, Mary Beth Griffin from the Gavin Grow podcast is doing a series called Speak Its Name, where she's talking to uh, some people from the community about uh, those very issues, racial injustice and, um, you know, social equality, and, and it's, it's been really great. She's done two of them so far, and we're, we're going to have a, another few coming up. Um, this most recent one she had uh, on Adabombo and Harrison Tani Dun from uh, SGA and BSU, respectively, and it was a really, really interesting conversation. So uh, check that out. Cool. I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that because I think it is important and interesting that uh, for everybody to listen to. Uh, so our own Mary Beth Griffin is woke. Yeah. And it's great to hear, you know, you hear stuff on TV, you hear stuff in the news, whatever, but it's, it's, it's somehow a lot more impactful to hear it from somebody who's in your own community, you know, somebody you see on a daily basis and sharing these stories of, of what their life is like and how different it can be from, uh, you know, yours. It's fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we should have done that on our uh, podcast here. Yeah, well, we missed it, and uh, Mary Beth, you know, grabbed it, so yeah. kudos to her. Great, Mary Beth. Good job. And you are fired. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do with your time, extra time if you fired me? Oh, I would just do this. I would just babble <laughs> nonsense into a microphone a couple hours a week. So I wanted to Really mention... wouldn't change my life at all. No, that's true. <laughs> The podcast would be to... less interesting, but it wouldn't change my, uh, my experience <laughs> at all. I wanted to give a shout out to your dad, whose birthday is uh, November 18th. And I wanted to remind you That's about right. that, too. 
I, the, <laughs> good thing you did because I almost forgot. Yeah, yeah my dad will be uh, seventy-one. So happy that's birthday, bizarre, Mr. Puccio. Yeah, happy birthday. That means you're pretty old too, right? <laughs> it, it does. I'm getting there. <laughs> Listen. Also, on the 18th, we have Fulbright information from 2:30 to 3:30 p.m. It's virtual. Also. Uh, Professor of Social Sciences, Dr. Rob Whittemore, will be giving the information. And, you know, WestCon students have had a lot of success in the Fulbright, Fulbright program. We've had six in the last 10 years, and we interview all of them on this podcast. In fact, the last one was somebody named Scriven was her last name. What was her first name? I don't remember. We have her picture there on the, on the wow, uh, but I can't remember her first name, but she was delightful and really successful, and she was going to Bulgaria. Yeah. The, yeah. I, oh, see, now I'm going to have to go back and figure it out. <laughs> she, was on the, she was in the honors program, too, of course. All the smart kids go there. Her name is Krista. Oh, Krista Scriven, right? Yep, that was a great one. That that's if you missed that, that's a that's a really interesting interview. Go back and find that episode. I'll uh, yeah, I'll try to find it and put it in the in the description of the of, of this episode because that was that was really cool. She was oh, fascinating. Wow. Yeah, and by the way, Westcon changed her life. She was a little mousy, uh, uh, very shy person before she came to Westcon and figured things out here. And then went to Bulgaria to change the world by uh, being a teacher in an orphanage. Crazy. Yeah. She's probably back now. We should call her up. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. I'll track her down. There's a six-day Circle of Change Leadership Conference. Wow. Yeah. It's November... 20th to 22nd and December 4th to 6th. I guess it does cost $59, but scholarships are available. Great. I guess it's run through CSI also. And what else are you doing with your time? Yeah, exactly. You'll be, uh, the semester will be over. You can tune in and learn leadership. Put that on your resume. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, the ugly sweater crawl was canceled. Yeah, that's a that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, you can still wear your ugly sweater anyway around town, but the crawl was canceled. So don't show up there on November 20th. I mean, I suppose you can. Well, you can, yeah. But it just, won't be organized. You won't there win will a be. prize. <laughs> It'll just be you and a couple other confused people in ugly sweaters looking around. <laughs> Wear your mask, though. Yes, please. So that's probably enough for this podcast. Oh, God, yeah. Nobody wants to hear anything else from us. No. We're done with that. That's good. Until next week, this is Paul Steinmetz for Pete Puccio and at WCSU. We'll see you next week. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media. Engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 
Follow us on Instagram at WCSU Media and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.